Hello and welcome to One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. The purpose of this podcast is to provide business leaders with the latest commentary on evolving business and economic news that impacts healthcare, business, and the workplace. In each episode, our One Digital advisors will be addressing evolving coronavirus situations, translating them for employers so they can be proactive for their organizations and develop their business planning strategies. Hello, welcome to today's COVID-19 employer advisory session. My name is Vincent Morris and I'm president of One Digital uh, Retirement and Wealth Division. Before we jump in today, on behalf of the 2,000 employees of One Digital, I want you to know how much we truly appreciate the time and energy you're investing today with us. These are challenging times for us all, and we know how much your time is at a premium. Our goal today is to offer some guidance and advice for employers considering the impacts of the current environment on your retirement plan. Our thoughts and prayers are with you and your families uh, during this period of time, but together we have an opportunity to alleviate some of the uncertainty for your employees and your business. As a company, we believe that one of the most important responsibilities is to help you and your organization and your employees navigate these unprecedented crises. And we have the responsibility, a very, very seriously one, to make sure that people have great financial well-being in today's challenging times. So without further ado, let's meet today's panelists. I'm pleased to introduce Brady Daw, a friend of mine and a senior vice president of retirement services for One Digital. He is a retirement plan consultant and a financial advisor and manages a growing team based out of Salt Lake City. He shares a passion for improving retirement outcomes and employee communication. Also joining us today is Joe DiBello, a retirement plan consultant in our Orlando office. As an avid problem solver with experience on the plan provider side, coming from the record keeper, Joe offers new ideas in, in, uh, to get and keep retirement plans on track. I appreciate you both joining us today. Let's also note in response to customer feedback and interest in the ongoing series, COVID-19 employer advisory sessions will now be offered on-demand experience. No more waiting for the live sessions twice a week. You'll now have access to information and guidance translated by One Digital through leaders in response to latest developments on the ongoing basis. Let's begin. I think that we're in a, uh, as we address the topics today, one of the most uh, important topics on employers' minds might be front and center would be cost management. Joe, how do you suggest that employers that change their retirement plan if cutting costs is something that they're wanting to do? Yeah, thanks, Vince, and I appreciate the introduction. Uh, as you can imagine, this is a question that has come up uh, quite often, especially in the early days of the COVID-19 outbreak. And yeah, I'll start with the obvious and easy answer, which is you know reducing or removing um, employer contributions in a retirement plan um, is certainly an effective way to immediately reduce costs for the organization. And, and I think that this experience that we've had over the last 
uh, 90 days or so has taught us a little something about uh, plan design in general and employer matches. And, you know, one of the lessons I think that, that we've learned and something we've been working with plan sponsors on um, in, in recent years is, is really to consider um, moving away from fixed and stated matches in your plan document. Um, that being a scenario where your actual employer contribution is spelled out in your plan document, um, as opposed to maybe writing the term discretionary in the plan document. And, and the reason I mention that is during the COVID-19 outbreak, uh, the economy started to turn south uh, very quickly and plan sponsors were forced to act very quickly in response to the changing environment. And when you have your, your match stated in your plan document, it requires an amendment. And, and, and for any plan sponsors on this call um, that have gone through a plan amendment in the past know that that's not necessarily something that can be um, enacted fairly quickly. So you know, I think as we come out of this, one of the, the items that plan sponsors should consider is you know, using a discretionary match that will allow them to be a little bit more nimble and react a little bit quicker if, if something like this were ever to occur in the future. So, you know, again, re removing or suspending employer matches is a, is a fairly effective way of reducing the employer cost. Um, keep in mind, if your plan is a safe harbor plan, there are some special considerations that you likely want to have in, in the back of your mind before you make a change. Um, the first things first is that there is a required notice that has to go out to employees, and there are certain circumstances under which a, a safe harbor plan is allowed to suspend their mid-year match. Um, one of the two reasons that that can possibly be in place that will allow you to do so is if your initial safe harbor notice indicated to your participants that you had the right to suspend that safe harbor contribution with 30 days notice, or if your business is operating at an economic loss, which in today's environment and what we've seen over the last 90 days um, may not be a big stretch of the imagination to prove. Um, and, and one thing to keep in mind, if you are a safe harbor plan, you do go down that path of removing your employer contribution or reducing it, is that you will lose that safe harbor status uh, for the rest of the year. And, and that means that discrimination testing that you've enjoyed the ability to um, pass without, without question, as well as your top-heavy testing, may come back into play. So again, if you have questions around that, work with your provider, work with your plan advisor, but definitely take into some consideration, some, some special considerations for safe harbor plans. But if it's a couple other things I'd point to um, that, that maybe plan sponsors haven't looked at in recent years is ensure your forfeiture utilization is being handled properly. You know, I think there's a common misconception out there that if you have a vesting schedule on your plan and an employee terminates and leaves money on the table in the form of unvested contributions, um, that money does not immediately flow back to the plan in the absence of certain actions. And, and I say that because many plans that have not implemented small balance force out procedures, which that's really just a mechanism where if you have terminated employees that have small balances, that you have the ability to move them out of the plan with proper notice. And the reason I mention that is in order to claw back some of those forfeitures, your participant does have to have a distributable event, meaning they've got to take a rollover out of the plan or a distribution, or you use that small balance force out procedure to remove that balance. And in doing so, you'll recapture some of those forfeiture dollars that are sitting out there and perhaps can be utilized to offset some of your costs. So again, some more creative ways that you could potentially consider to look at reducing costs. Um, but if you haven't done so already as well, consider shifting some of the costs associated with your plan um, to the plan assets themselves 
but but I mentioned carefully, make sure that the expenses that you're shifting to the plan are expenses that are actually eligible to be paid by the plan asset. So, so Vince, those are just a couple ideas to consider now and into the future in, in terms of reducing costs in the short term for plan sponsors. Yeah, those are really great points. I really like the one on the forfeiture idea where um, if you've got terminated balances and there's a vesting schedule on that plan, that's that's a way to kind of claw back some additional um, revenue or not revenue, but uh, uh, dollars that could be uh, offset for match. So um, great points. Uh, just in in terms of companies that are looking to maybe uh, stop a safe harbor match or or go to a, a zero match or zero employer contribution, um, what are what are some long term and short term impacts regarding uh, maybe doing this just from the employee standpoint? Sure. Yeah. Short term impacts. I, I think that the biggest impact you're going to see, Vince is just that perception from your participants, right? Uh, Many employees enjoy that employer contribution. It's a big reason why they participate in the plan. And certainly any move to reduce or remove that, um, it it can convey a negative negative message. So the advice that we've given plan sponsors and where we've seen this be very effective is to manage that message. Get out in front of the fact that you may be making changes to your benefit plan designs. And and communicate with your, your employees and your participant base in a way that puts you on the same side of the table. Um, Just like your participants trust you as a plan sponsor to be a good steward of their retirement, they also expect that of the business as well. So we've seen a lot of success with plan sponsors communicating their employee base. Um, Most employees are obviously aware this is an unprecedented time and understand that their their employers may be going through a bit of um, financial turmoil. So by communicating with your employees in in, in advance, letting them know that you're being a good steward of your business, just like you are for their retirement plan, I think really puts the plan sponsor on the same side of the table um, as the participants. And if you're, you're in a position to do so, certainly talk about you know, your, your goal to bring this employer contribution back as soon as is possible. So you know, I think in the short term, that that's really what plan sponsors need to be mindful of. And I think in the long term, this really presents an opportunity. And I'm sure this is not the, the, the last time we'll talk about this today, but this really presents a unique opportunity, unfortunately, under unreasonable circumstances that, that plan sponsors have an ability to go back to the drawing board. And when you get to that point where you want to reinstate employer contributions, you have that moment in time where you can truly look back at the data you've generated over the years and re-implement those employer contributions in a fashion, um, maybe different than how you had it set up before, but maybe in a way that, that supports the plan goals and gets those participants closer to a dignified retirement. Joe, it sounds like it's it's a uh, time, one, to have great communication with, with your people, right? Um, but also a time where um, looking at and reviewing the plan, making sure it's the right one, uh, if there's changes that are needed, and, and probably reaching out to an advisor or, or someone that you trust to kind of help walk you through that process. Absolutely. I know a lot of people move, kind of moving on to uh, more current uh, around some regulatory and legislative stuff that's come down the pipe. I know a lot of people are asking questions about what they need to do um, really to give their employees access kind of to the plan and to the CARES provision. Um, you know, a lot of people are, are having to deal with with uh, maybe a spouse who became unemployed or health costs or, or just, you know, increased 
uh, cost relative to their kids and things like that. And so, you know, uh, for most Americans, this is their primary savings account. And um, the CARES Act, uh, you know, added some provisions uh, that employees and, and employers need to consider. Um, you want to touch on some of those? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, specifically to the, the CARES Act provisions that were uh, enacted back on, on, on March 27th, you know, I, I'd say for plan sponsors that are considering um, adopting some of these provisions, uh, first confirm you don't already have them. Um, every vendor that you work with, every record keeper has a different approach or had a different approach to implementing some of these provisions. Uh, some of them took a, a more aggressive approach of um, opting for, uh, plan sponsors and their, and their uh, corresponding retirement plans into these provisions in the absence of a, an objection or an opt-out. And others took a more hands-off approach and really required the plan sponsor to notify the vendor that they wanted to enact these provisions. So again, double check that you don't have these by default already. And you know, just at a high level, what we're talking about, to Vince's point, um, is really expanded access to retirement um, funds for your participants that may be affected by the outbreak. And we're talking about the coronavirus-related distributions, which is a new form of a hardship distribution. Um, expansion to loan limits and the ability certain loan repayments, as well as the suspension of required minimum distributions and some defined benefit funding relief. So there's a handful of provisions in that CARES Act that apply to retirement plans. And, you know, selfishly, I'd say if you're, you're considering adopting these, um, have a conversation with your plan advisor and, and really consider what the long-term effects may be. Um, plan leakage is something that has been an issue plaguing the retirement system and, and just American savers in general over the last decade or so. And by increasing access to the funds, we're creating new outlets for participants to potentially take their long-term retirement monies out of the plan. So again, I, I'd say selfishly, have that conversation with your advisor, have a more strategic conversation around whether or not these provisions make sense for your plan. And and not so much transactional that you maybe would see with some of your service providers. And the other point I will make is that, you know, these are not fiduciary decisions in nature. They are settler decisions. And we've had a lot of questions coming from plan sponsors in terms of, you know, is there any potential backlash if I do or don't offer these particular provisions? And again, remember, these are not fiduciary decisions. They are settler decisions around your plan design. So make these decisions without significant fear of any type of fiduciary blowback, but, but make sure they're in the best interest of your participants. And, and again, really consider your demographic and what the impact has had in your particular workforce um, and your employees. These provisions are optional events, each and every one of them. So this is not an all or nothing approach. Um, if you do feel it's necessary to offer some form of relief, um, you can offer a coronavirus-related distribution, but not adopt the additional loan provision. So really drill down into the history of your plan. Um, if, if you've had issues with plan leakage in the past, certainly consider that and, and discuss these uh, with, with your advisor on a one-by-one -one basis and decide whether or not they make sense for, for your plan. And then keep an eye on them moving forward. Uh, monitor that utilization and, and learn from that. It certainly is a moment where, unfortunately, due to the circumstances, we'll be provided a pretty clear insight into how participants were prepared for this sudden shock. And there's a lot to be learned from, from some of these um, distribution features that are added to the plans that we can use to better our plans in the future. 
I would add to that too, Joe. Um, we're providing, as you know, uh, what we're calling a COVID or coronavirus scorecard. Kind of see how people are taking advantage of those, what kind of relief they're seeking so the employers can keep their thumb on that. But also I think it's good, either the advisor or record keeper, to help the plan sponsor employer understand and what the process to seek those kind of distributions or the loan relief look like, because sometimes it's paper form, some's implemented online. And if people do need to get that kind of relief and you're going to offer those type of distributions or loan suspensions or loans, then you want to make it a simple process for people. So uh, just understand that process from your record keeper. It's different with all of them. That's a great point, Brady. Thank you. Great point, yeah. And, and a lot of record keepers will have data on uh, utilization and, and what the impact, not only to your specific plan, but also what's what's happening across their broader uh, book of business to kind of give you a benchmarking um, thumbprint of that. We definitely don't want employees, you know, um, doing, uh, reacting to the short-term crisis in sacrificing long-term retirement outcomes. So uh, I think we've only really seen modest uh, increases in utilization on these. Uh, but, you know, as the year progresses, um, that might become, you know, more prevalent. And so I think to, to the point of being able to monitor these things, uh, if you do adopt uh, these provisions is, is good. And a lot of record keepers did them on an opt-in versus opt-out basis. So um, knowing Knowing those or checking with your advisor to be able to uh, understand what those impacts are, uh, I think would be good at this point or prudent to do at this point. Uh, I do want to mention just a few stats. And and again, this is kind of just going back to how many employees um, are really utilizing this. Uh, We saw here through uh, the end of April, uh, loans and withdrawals. So the number of participants in any given normal quarter uh, period of time really is about 1% of plan assets will, will get drawn down in a hardship. Uh, and the, some of these data is coming from uh, the record keeping industry, but we did see you know that jump up to about 1.4% uh, through April. Still not bad on a relative grand s- scheme of things. That's still a relatively um, sm- small uh, part of the, the plan assets. So, I think we saw a lot of call center volume, a lot of things, you know, people trying to inquire about these things. But at the end of the day, uh, the, the, you know, your employee base has seen a lot of volatility in the markets in the past. And uh, they seem to, to be weathering it kind of going on a go forward basis. But definitely different industries, different geographies have been hit uh, a lot harder than others. And so uh, if your uh, employees need access to funds, there there are ways that the CARES Act gave them uh, to be able to do that. So, all right, uh, just kind of want to shift a little bit, and, and Brady, you kind of weighed in on uh, some of this around the communication and, and um, around 401k loans and those type of things. Uh, but just all things being said, uh, employees that are needing access to retirement plan savings, anything really there that we should be thinking about more than kind of what you just added for around requests for loans and distributions? Yeah. Um, well, during this pandemic, we've been telling people, treat your 401k like your face. Don't touch it. Um, that's simple advice, but uh, of course, things are never perfectly simple. Um, I'd say communication about 401k loans has always been a bit of a trippy, tricky topic. On one hand, we want employees to understand the ins and outs of 401k loans, especially the risks and drawbacks. But it's interesting when we proactively message about the drawbacks, sometimes this is people's first time even hearing about or being reminded of 401k loans. And it's the very thing that leads to them taking a loan. 
<laughs> so that creates a tricky process. But that said, we're in unique times and it's new financial challenges people are facing. So if possible, we recommend a process for participants that are considering a 401k loan, especially if it's substantial, to speak with the plan's financial professional before committing to such a long-term and uh, large decision. And a lot of employers might have a financial wellness program in place um, where they can get guidance and have resources to address situations like we're facing today. And this program should play a big role if you have people considering these type of loans or distributions. And on the other side of it, too, we've seen a lot of people considering their 401k deferrals, considering taking them down or eliminating them for the time being. We understand there's financial struggles happening in different ways out there. Um, but we've had conversations with thousands of individuals, and many just are asking, is it a good time to be saving investing, regardless of my financial situation? And the answer is absolutely. Um, unless your long-term goals have changed, it's good to stick with your plan. So... Many people are increasing their savings rate, in fact, to take advantage of what they believe is a best stock market, um, taking advantage of that opportunity, which is paid off. Um, but if we recommend having a $1,000 emergency savings fund for anything that can come up on the short term, and then three months of income as a safety net for situations like we're facing today. If you have those in place, you can typically weather these type of unexpected storms and avoid tapping into your long-term savings uh, via the 401k or other retirement savings that you might have. Great points. Yeah, in, in fact, we actually saw um, an increase in deferral changes in Q1, uh, Brady, but the majority of those unexpectedly were up, not down. <laughs> People mm -hmm. were thinking like that, like, hey, you know, the market's going down, it's on sale, I should be uh, investing more or saving more into it. It's an interesting point. So, yeah, we applaud that. A lot of people paying attention, which is great. Yeah. And, and getting advice, I think seeking, you know, advice and counseling and going back to Joe's earlier statement around, it's all around communication, right? Communication, communication, mm -hmm. communication. And then what kind of uh, value add or, or service can you provide uh, to handle employees through this time? So what type of support should employers expect uh, from their retirement plan advisor and their record keeper um, during these times. Brady? Yeah, uh, thanks Vince, that's a good question, something to touch on. Um, even though in-person support that's pretty prevalent is not easily available right now, and hopefully it will be soon, but for the time being, it's a employees need our support more than ever. Um, whether that's with their personal finances, budgeting, debt, um, or their investments and retirement. Um, and I think advisors should be supporting these employee communications in every way possible. And it's elite employers that are leading the way here. And the employees are expressing huge gratitude for these kind of resources. And I think uh, probably the most effective that uh, we're offering right now is what we're calling virtual one-on-one -on -one meetings, where employees can privately seek uh, advice for their unique challenges and opportunities. These have been really popular and we like to make sure that they're really easy to schedule um, and have very flexible times for people to be able to meet with our advisor team. And the survey and the feedback that we're giving has been overwhelming for those, especially um, offering them during you know quarantine time. But in addition to the one-on-one -on -one meetings, a lot of people like to have self-serve information. So custom videos for folks on different topics has been great. Um, written 
uh, FAQs is something people have appreciated. And I think it's best to have your advisor or record keeper create these. Employers certainly might have the expertise in-house sometimes, but you run the risk of violating laws and accidentally offering investment or financial advice, which is uh, a business that you want to stay out of as an employer. I think it's it's reasonable to expect that your advisor partner addressing your employees. Um, you know, with our client base, no two employers are the same. And so the approach to education and communication uh, is very different, uh, especially when you look across different industries. Um, so there's different ways to, to cut that, I think, Vince. And you just want to have a really consultative conversation and make sure that however you're doing it, you're getting employees to what they need and they feel supported. Brady, I know you've got a kind of a whole team uh, that kind of calls outbound calls, scheduling appointments and all that. Are you finding that, that uh, your team is connecting through some sort of like Zoom or some sort of video conferencing when they're helping uh, these employees? Yeah, that's actually the most common way that we're connecting right now, Vince. In the group settings, it's your typical webinar style or a recorded video. But again, the one-on-ones have been most impactful for people. And it's mostly happening digitally now. Uh, and Zoom is probably their most popular platform, although we're using um, other teams and go to webinar and, or go to meeting and such, depending on the, the platform the employer prefers. Um, but what is interesting to me is that many participants that we didn't think we could connect with prior to this pandemic digitally, we're having great success connecting with digitally now. And this runs across all industries. Um, you know, maybe a, a good example is the trucking industry. We didn't really have a great way to connect with people digitally there before very often. But at this point, I think everyone has been forced to get comfortable with this type of communication method. And so we're having better success getting in front of more people um, and also having them bring their spouse, which is interesting too, because when you connect with folks at work, it's great, but their spouse isn't involved. And so often the money decisions are happening um, as a as a team, as a couple. And so being able to get in front of both of them has been really powerful and driving the right kind of decisions. That's great. That's fantastic. So when, what options do employers have for providing financial advice? I mean, is it, is it prevalent through the record keeper? I mean, should Kaiser, uh, any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think the answer is yes. Um, most companies are partnered with a team of advisors um, to manage their plan or an advisor. But hopefully that advisor team specializes in corporate retirement plans. It's a very different kind of niche to focus on working with employers versus just maybe individuals or somebody who works with life insurance or something. And if you're working with somebody like that, it's very common they should be able to provide fiduciary advice to your plan participants, meaning they have to act in the participant's best interest um, over their own, which is certainly something you want to verify uh, as you're allowing people to interact with your employees. And we find that employees' financial needs extend well beyond 401k. That's often where our conversation for us starts with somebody, but it so often goes into student loan, um, some things that they need to address, or debt and budgeting issues and credit card things they want help with, or getting their first mortgage and they just want a little bit of advice. So there's a lot of directions it can go. And the advisors to be able to address those. And this is where a comprehensive financial wellness program really comes in. Um, financial wellness program is a somewhat of a newer benefit that's really picked up in the last uh, seven, eight years. And leading companies are offering these resources to help employees achieve what I would call financial greatness. Um, and it's aimed to reduce stress uh, that comes along with mishandling money. And this is supposed to help people be a little bit more focused at work when they don't uh, live with that day-to-day -day stress of um, living in debt uh, or mishandling their money. 
And I'd say there's a lot of flavors to financial wellness programs, but the best ones that we see are the ideal ones are ones that leverage technology and they're scalable, but they also still provide that human element to help people learn to budget, say for emergencies, weather that storm like we're in today. Um, and the human touch is critical in these. In addition to the technology, it has someone to hold people accountable and ease their fear. Um, I like to think about it like a personal trainer for my money. Um, and this is all connected to the success of the retirement program. When people have a handle on their spending, we find that retirement saving becomes automatically important and it becomes possible. That's great. I mean, uh, especially during now, uh, the times we're going through now, and, and it just seems like people do struggle with financial literacy anymore. I mean, it's uh, being a financial guy, it's kind of a boring subject, I guess. Is, I, I, <laughs> and even I'd say, Vince, people that are very financially literate, when you sit down and have a conversation with them, like so many are, it, it's still easier to know than it is to do, which is why that human element is critical. Someone to hold your hand. I, I know how to go to the gym and I know how to run on the treadmill, but I find myself struggling to do it. And if I have someone to hold me accountable, it becomes a lot easier, whether that's my wife or a personal trainer or anyone to help me with it. Uh, it's doing that it becomes really tough. That's fantastic. All right. Uh, well, let's jump back into the plan uh, level kind of conversation for a few minutes here and, and talk about plan sponsors and what we can learn from COVID-19 outbreak uh, because it could potentially accelerate the impact of financial stress that people are having and, and the ability for people to have uh, great retirement outcomes. Um, so, uh, Joe, the retirement system was was kind of, was it perfect before COVID-19? I mean, what are your thoughts on, on what employers should consider going forward? Yeah, great question, Vince. I, you know, one of the things I think that we're really going to focus on you know, over the next couple quarters is to go back and evaluate um, how our clients' plans, default funds have performed during this period of, of market volatility. And um, the default funds, um, something that have gained a ton of popularity, sometimes referred to as the, the QDIA, the Qualified Default Investment Alternative. Um, and for many plans, this is where your participants are invested if they don't make a proactive investment choice, right? And, and, and that is where the majority of participants do invest their dollars in corporate retirement plans today. And, and predominantly the most popular vehicle is the target date fund. So, you know, over the last decade or so, it, it really hasn't been an environment with um, the, the growth in the markets to really give employers and plan fiduciaries an understanding of, you know, how, how would our target date perform in a, in a period of significant market volatility? You know, what impact would that have on our participants? And we really haven't had that moment since really 2008 in the, the financial crisis. So, you know, one of the focuses that I think we'll have with a lot of our plan sponsors is really understanding how those funds performed and, and if they were, you know, super volatile funds, what kind of impact did that have on our participants? You know, what, what type of behavior did we see during those uh, late days in March where the market was moving a thousand points a day? You know, did we see participants shifting out of the market and moving into safe haven assets like cash or money markets? Or did our participants mostly stay put? And it's really important to understand that because really comparing those funds, those default funds that you're, you're placing in, your participants into um, is really not about who had the highest returns. It's really about how they perform in various market environments and whether or not that's a right fit for your demographic. So I'd say that's a primary area where plan sponsors can really go back and evaluate 
you know, what that experience looked like for their employees and document that process and, and either reaffirm or decide to look in a different direction for your plan's default funds. But again, documenting that process and, and ensuring that what you have in your plan is really what's best for your participants. So, you know, I'll start there, Vince, and I, and I would say aside from the investment conversation, you know, I mentioned this earlier, you know, if your plan was one that adopted um, any, any one of the coronavirus-related distribution options, whether that's the distribution itself or the, the increased loan limits or the delays, um, monitor the utilization of that because I think that can really give plan sponsors a, a unique window into their workforce's financial preparedness for emergencies. If, if as a plan sponsor we saw a significant spike in hardships and loan activity during this period of time, that should really tell us something, right? And I think to Brady's point earlier about financial wellness, that to me indicates there may be a need to really not just focus on what they should be doing in the retirement plan, but really helping them outside what's going on in K or 43B, maybe helping them establish an emergency fund, giving them that personal trainer type relationship that they can help them with those things that are typically not found on your 401k or 403b provider's website. So again, I think that can teach plan sponsors a lot about their workforce and, and they, they should certainly be having conversations with their, their plans advisor and record keepers, Vince, about, about solutions that we think um, may gain some steam here in the future. And, and, you know, one of the ones I've heard a lot about during this, this period, uh, the last 90 days or so are these emergency savings plans for employees um, that can maybe help prevent employees from having to take distribution. So more to come on those type of, of options, I think, as legislation paves the way and more providers offer these type of programs. But again, I think this whole period of time has really highlighted certain areas of weakness uh, within our, our workforces in America here. And I think we'll see some innovation from the providers and from a legislative standpoint that helps to try to solve those. So again, be mindful of things that are coming down the pipe um, from both a regulatory and a provider standpoint to help um, alleviate some of these issues. And the thing I'll say on this, Vance, is, is something, again, I mentioned earlier. Um, if you were one of those plan sponsors that took steps to maybe uh, remove your, your match or, or modify your plan design in any way, shape, or form, you really consider the silver lining of this, this opportunity that as we get back to normal here, that you have this wealth of data over the years that you've sponsored the plan and, and, and use that data, get with your plan advisor, um, define a goal that makes sense for your, your plan. And whether that's, hey, let's, let's make sure our plan replaces a certain amount of income in retirement, or let's get savings rates to a certain percentage, including employer match. Put those goals in place and move to reinstate employer contributions or, or re-enrich your benefit programs as your business rebounds. Use those goals, use those data points that you've gathered over the years to design a employer contribution formula and a plan design that, that helps get your employees to that goal. So, you know, you know, again, the silver lining of all this is the ability to kind of start from scratch, revisit why your plan is designed the way it is and make sure it's an efficient That you have budget. And uh, tell employers to start thinking about it. If they want to implement it again for 1121, which so many employers I've had conversations with are thinking about, um, don't start in November. Uh, really start those conversations in September. Start to model that, see what it looks like, consider employee communications, budget it. Um, but you're, that's so on point, Joe, is just because you've always done something one way doesn't mean that's the right way to do it going forward. And the data is huge. Yeah. 
Yeah, and, and being a part of that advisor, um, you know, to to walk your client and, and from the employer side and the employee side through that. Um, you know, the employer side, obviously, is the plan advisor, the employee side, more on a financial wellness uh, platform. But, you know, oftentimes, I think there's a motion of uh, record keepers will just say, hey, yeah, you can do this, but they don't really say what you should do. And I think both, you know, having a trusted advisor that can walk them through different scenarios and things like that, a lot of times um, may even talk, you know, employees off the ledge of doing something that, that would be detrimental to them. And even from an employer perspective, be able to, to walk them through it and navigate that. So um, thanks, Jeff, comments on that. So financial stress in the workforce, uh, they have a huge impact on productivity. You know, if, if credit card companies are calling your employees during the work uh, day, they're going to, you know, obviously be distracted. So it uh, has an impact on attendance and ultimately re their retirement outcome. Uh, if they're paying high debt and, and credit cards and have overspent, things like that, they're not going to be able to optimize and, and save appropriately for retirement. So all of our conversations and decisions in administering plans and communicating to employees surround helping employers and employees recognize the importance of planning for the future, savings, and helping to address situations that may get uh, in the way of them optimizing their retirement. So, you know, compounding interest, uh, Einstein said, was one of the greatest forces of nature. Uh, you know, it's really important for young people to get involved. It's really important uh, that savings rates are appropriate. That will impact future retirement uh, savings accounts uh, more than what they invest in ultimately at the end of the day. So making sure that this is all done appropriately, people have advice, they understand uh, what, what path they're on, whether or not they're saving enough, whether or not they're taking advantage of Roth or pre-tax if they have that available uh, to them. So in light of all these recent events, uh, the downturn, which fortunately the market has turned around quite a bit um, since, our, uh, since at least uh, the end of the year, and there are may be employers that don't have any option but to consider terminating the retirement plan. And, and this is obviously, you know, for morale purposes and for lots of different reasons, this is kind of a, a last resort type thing. We understand some people uh, just have to do it. And uh, maybe it's to save their company or, or employee jobs and, and those type of things. What are some of the things that they should consider uh, as they go through this process, Joe? Yeah, Vince, I would say for starters, um, if you're an employer that's had to, to make the, the, the difficult decision to portion uh, of your workforce during the, the early stages of the COVID-19 outbreak or even in, in recent months, um, for starters, be sure that you, you haven't already triggered a partial plan termination. Uh, and a partial plan termination generally occurs when 20% or more of your workforce is terminated. Um, the 20% rule is, is really kind of a, a guideline. It is not um, set in stone that that is the only way a partial plan termination can occur. They really look at a facts and circumstances approach. Um, sometimes the, the layoff of an entire division, even if it may not be 20% of your workforce, can also trigger a partial plan termination. So if, if you've had something like that occur, um, and I'll, I'll give the caveat that there has been whisperings of potential legislative relief for this type of um, plan termination that may have occurred during the outbreak, but in the absence of any legislation, 
you know, I would definitely say if you've had a substantial portion of your workforce terminated, to, to definitely consult uh, ERISA counsel um, if you're not certain whether or not one has occurred. And, and, and really the consequences of that partial plan termination in the absence of any new legislation is that um, any unvested participant that was uh, affected by that, that layoff would be immediately vested. So uh, again, something that I think a lot of plan sponsors may not have been considering during Uh, the, the event, but certainly something that could have an impact on the plan from a termination standpoint. Um, but if that hasn't occurred and, and, and the plan sponsor is truly looking at terminating their defined contribution plan, um, you know, I want them to keep in mind that's not something that, that happens very quickly. Um, that there generally is a, a process to follow and the IRS has a, a pretty detailed checklist and, and guidelines of the steps they should follow. But really what it boils down to, you know, outside of the messaging component to, to the employees is um, a notice is required to be delivered to those employees uh, at least 60 days prior. As the plan sponsor, you're going to need to amend your plan document to make sure it's current with the current regulations. And, and aside from that, a notice of termination, participants are also going to need to be provided um, with the, the 402F notice, which essentially gives them their, their rights to roll their funds over and to preserve the tax status of their, their retirement accounts. Um, but, but some of the things that, that sponsors should really be aware of, um, if your plan offers loans, um, keep in mind that a termination of a plan um, can force those defaults, those loans to default on participants, which could have some additional um, adverse tax consequences. Um, some of those rules have changed back in 2018 with the Bipartisan Budget Act, but certainly something, again, if you're working to, with a plan advisor, to Brady's earlier point, um, get them involved, provide that one-to-one -one counseling for participants that may be impacted, make sure they understand their options, because the, the last thing we want to have happen is those participants to just truly cash out their retirement assets. Um, but, but some other things just to keep in mind, Vince, uh, the, the plan will still be considered alive and not terminated until the last of the assets have gotten out of the plan. So, you know, plan sponsors are still required to, to administer the plan all the way up until the final termination, continue filing form 5,500 until the last of the assets have left the plan. Um, and then ultimately you'll need to file a final 5,500. And one of the things that you can consider, it is, it is optional, um, but you can file for a determination letter uh, with the IRS just to ensure that your plan was qualified at the time of termination. Um, again, that's not required, but certainly something that if a plan sponsor really wants to ensure that they've taken the right steps to terminate their plan, um, in the eyes of the IRS, they can take that step. But like all these decisions, again, include your ERISA counsel in these conversations, include your plan's fiduciary advisor, um, consider other alternatives prior to terminating. But again, if you have to go down this path, um, make sure you're following the proper steps and, and you're really, again, managing that message to your participants and providing them with that assistance that they may need um, post-termination. Excellent. Thanks, Joe. Well, uh, it's been great spending time with you guys here today. We, uh, I just want to say in closing, um, you know, there's, there's always periods of, of market volatility in uncertain times, uh, but those are times often that bad actors uh, come out of the shadows. You know, people try to take advantage uh, of kind of crisis and chaos and, and things like that. So I would just caution you to be, you know, weary of any one that's suggesting to make big plan, big plan changes or, or major adjustments that, that just don't seem like, you know, they're, they're based in the moment, not on the future. And, um, 
you know, the, out of challenging times always comes opportunity. And, and for longer term, you know, for your employees and you as an employer, um, you know, this could be an opportunity, as, as I think Brady and, and Joe have both stated, to really look back at your plan and, and what you designed. And, and, I mean, not too long ago, we were at full, you know, full employment. So it was hard to find labor. And, and so now, you know, maybe a great time to, to tweak that uh, to plan for the future. So our team of retirement plan advisors around the country um, are here to answer any questions that, that you have. Um, I will uh, get in my disclosure today. Uh, investment advice uh, today was provided by Resources Investment Advisors, LLC, which is a, a registered uh, SEC registered investment advisory and subsidiary, wholly owned subsidiary of uh, One Digital. And I want to say again, thanks to Brady and Joe, uh, and thank you uh, all on the, for joining us today. Uh, we hope you have been able to provide actual advice. And remember, uh, please connect with the One Digital Consultant uh, who helped you uh, put some of what you heard uh, today in action or can help you put some of the, what you heard uh, today in action. Um, always happy to review plans. Now that each employer advisory session will be available on demand, be sure to visit the coronavirus hub. Um, it's, it's on our One Digital website regularly. You can view the latest session translating the coronavirus situation for employers so they can be proactive in developing business planning strategies, find the sessions uh, and additional employer resources all at onedigital.com backslash coronavirus. So uh, stay healthy, stay connected with your family, friends, and coworkers, and we'll see you next time. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening to this episode of One Digital's COVID-19 Employer Advisory Podcast. There's never been a time more than now during which our commitment to standing as one with our customers and providing peace of mind is more important. We are committed to providing the guidance you need to make complex decisions even in the most challenging times. For additional resources, thought leadership, or for the latest employer information related to the COVID-19 pandemic, please visit onedigital.com forward slash coronavirus. Thank you.